Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our Word of the Day. This morning we're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter number 25. In Leviticus 25, God has just finished giving Israel a list of festivals and feasts that they were supposed to uh, remember and celebrate every single year. These festivals and feasts, they were all uh, wrapped around the idea of the Sabbath day of rest. Now, the Sabbath day of rest was the seventh day of the week, or the final day of the week, which is on Saturday. And this day was to remember and honor the fact that God had created everything, and on the seventh day, God rested. There was to be no work done on these Sabbath days. Every Saturday, the entire nation would rest and worship God. Uh, and it was taken very seriously. In Numbers, there was a man who was found to be gathering sticks on the Sabbath day for his fire. And the people brought him before the Lord and asked the Lord what should be done to him for violating this Sabbath day. And God had him stoned for disobeying the command to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. This was a day for Israel to remember that God was in control and God was going to provide for them and take care of them even on days that they did no work. The number seven is an important number in scripture. It's the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. It's the number of God. There were seven yearly festivals they were supposed to remember and honor and celebrate. Most of them uh, revolved around the seventh month of the year. There was a seven-day uh, Sabbath rest every year they had to take. There was the seven-day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So seven is a vitally important number to God. And at the beginning of chapter number 25, God institutes the seventh year of rest, or the Sabbath year. Look what he says in verse number four. It says, But the seventh year shall a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord, thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. So every seven years, the land was to be left alone. They weren't to plant, they weren't to harvest, they weren't to plow their fields. The land was supposed to be allowed to rest for the entire year. Now that also meant that the workers had to rest for the entire year. Now we know now that this is a, a good uh, agricultural practice, allowing the land to rest and allowing the, the plants to grow naturally and then die naturally. It naturally fertilizes the land. It reestablishes the nutrients that were lost in the previous six years of harvesting and sowing. And so it's a, it's a good agricultural practice, but God had a bigger idea in mind than just being good to the land. And then later on in the chapter, God institutes a a, almost a mega Sabbath. Every seventh Sabbath year, so every 49th year, they of course remembered the Sabbath year. They let everything rest. They took a break from working and harvesting, let the fields rest. But then the 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. Look what the Bible says in verse number 8. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years and unto, unto thee, seven times seven years, and in the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound. On the tenth day of the seventh month, in the day of the atonement, shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. 
It shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man to his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. And a jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, neither gather the grapes in it for the vineyards. For as the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field." So not only was every seventh year a Sabbath year of rest for the fields and for the workers, but every 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. And so again, in the year of Jubilee, no work was done. So for two years straight, the year the fields lay fallow, the workers didn't work. And God addresses this a little earlier. He says, don't worry, or later, he says, don't worry about uh, what you're going to eat. I will give you such increase on the sixth year before the Jubilee that you'll be able to eat for the three years waiting on that harvest on the 51st year. And so you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. But then he, he goes a little bit further. And in the Jubilee year, every debt was canceled. So if you had a huge debt you owed to someone, that debt was canceled out. And not only was every debt canceled, but every Israelite slave was freed. Now, slavery during this time was very different than slavery today. Uh, Israelite slaves were not what we consider uh, slaves or what true slavery is in today's culture. If you were an Israelite slave, it wasn't because you were captured or mistreated. As a matter of fact, God commanded Israel to treat their slaves very well. They weren't really slaves, they were more bondmen. They would sell themselves, if they had debt or if they had uh, some financial difficulty, they would sell themselves to another Israelite, and this Israelite who they sold themselves to would take care of them, would provide for them, would give them a good place to live, would provide food for them, would allow their families to thrive, and this, this Israelite bondman would work for them. And after a certain amount of time, his bondmanship would be up and he would be free. But if, if he was continued to be a bondman or a slave on the year of Jubilee, no matter how much uh, he owed or how much time was left in his servant's service, uh, he would be freed uh, no matter what was going on. Now this was an incredible uh, act of social justice that the world had never seen up to this point. And as a matter of fact, we haven't even seen uh, today. It was a way for God to make sure that people who were struggling in life, maybe they something happened, some bad decisions, or just life happened and they found themselves in poverty, that they had a chance to get out of poverty, that they were never left disproportionately poor, and there wasn't people who were disproportionately rich. Two times every century, the entire nation of Israel would basically hit the reset button. And everyone would be freed, everyone would receive the land. Maybe they had to sell their land because they were suffering hard times. They would get their land back, they would get their property back, their debts would be eliminated, and everyone was on equal footing. Now, there's a lot deeper meaning here than just, you know, social justice and making sure people who find themselves in poverty have a way to get out and slaves are being let free. There's, there's a lot more here than that in, in this. We actually see a beautiful picture of the gospel. There is no historical evidence that Israel ever obeyed this year of Jubilee. There's no historical record that they ever uh, erased all debts and that they ever freed their slaves during this wonderful year of Jubilee. But that doesn't take away the beautiful picture of the gospel that God gives us in this incredible celebration. Jesus in the New Testament, specifically the, the book of Luke, 
he claimed to be the bringer of the ultimate jubilee. In Luke 4, uh, we read a story about Jesus. He walks into a synagogue in Nazareth, and he says that he is going to be the one to bring about what he calls the year of the Lord, the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, when you look at that in the original, he is referencing the year of Jubilee. So he walks in and says, I'm going to be the one who brings the ultimate Jubilee to mankind. And that's exactly what he did. When Jesus died on the cross, he canceled all of our debt. We were all indebted to God for our sin. We had a huge debt that we could never pay. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died to erase our sin debt with God. Now, Colossians 2 says he didn't just, you know, kind of erase our debts for a few years. He erased our debt to God for eternity. And that's an incredible picture of the year of Jubilee, where Jesus, he didn't just let us free for a little bit. He completely eliminated our debt forever. But also remember in the year of Jubilee, all land was to be restored to its previous owners. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and erased our debts and he was buried and then rose again three days later to redeem us to God the Father, he didn't restore to us land we had lost. He gave us land that was never ours to begin with. He gives us the land of the new heaven and the new earth where we will rule and reign with God for all of eternity in a land that is not ours but becomes our inheritance because we're adopted into the family of God. And then, of course, in the year of Jubilee, all slaves were to be freed. And Jesus, of course, freed us from slavery. Romans 6 says that he freed us from the slavery of sin and death. We are no longer servants to sin. We are no longer servants to our flesh. We have been freed from that bondage, and we are free to serve God as free men. Jesus truly was the bringer of Jubilee. That's why now we don't have to just observe the Sabbath day on every Saturday. We can enjoy the Sabbath rest every single day. We can rest in the fact and the truth that freedom has come to us, that we have been redeemed and restored to God the Father, that we are free from sin and death, and we are given an inheritance that we could have never earned on our own. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has canceled our debts, he's given us a land that we don't deserve, and he's freed us from slavery. He has brought the jubilee to all of those who accept him. Leviticus 25 shows us that God truly does care for the poor, for the helpless, for the downtrodden, for the oppressed. But he doesn't just care for them, he cares for all of us. And he's freed us, he's canceled our debt, and he's given us an inheritance that was not ours. Let's take some time this morning to praise him and thank him for being the bringer of the eternal jubilee. Thanks so much for joining us for our Word of the Day. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Hope you have a wonderful day on Sunday, worshiping God and fellowshipping with other believers. Have a blessed day.